Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Heavenly Father, the words of the gospel ring in our ears, the words of Christ, which give us good news, that you send us a helper, an advocate, your very own Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to have hearts broken open to receive that spirit. Inflame with us the strength that only you can provide, the peace which you only give, the joy which surpasses any understanding from joy that can be made in this world. For you, Lord, are our joy. Give us that joy daily. Grant us increase by your Holy Spirit daily. And help us to truly walk out of these doors into the newness of life that your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, purchased for us on the cross. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Beginnings and endings. Alpha and omega. The start and the finish. You know, every aspect of life has these beginnings and endings, these transitions. Life is full of them. And John the Apostle's writings, his letters, his gospel, his revelation is rooted in the genesis of God's creation and the regenesis of God's new creation. For what we think is the end is really a new beginning, a new creation, a new start, a reconciliation between God and man. And there's just so much depth to John's writings in the scriptures. So many people, their favorite gospel is the gospel of John. Their favorite book in the scriptures is the gospel of John. And the most mysterious one is that of Revelation. And the church, if you notice in the lectionary, when we have the assigned readings throughout the year, the church has placed John's gospel to be read after Easter Sunday. And throughout the Easter season. And the reason why we dive into John's gospel and into Revelation as well, after celebrating the resurrection of Christ, is twofold. For John has this mystical way of talking to us, a heavenly way, a spiritual way of illuminating our souls and our minds to the power of the gospel itself. We frankly aren't ready to hear what John has to say until we see the risen Christ walking out of the tomb, until we see the disciples touching his hands, looking at his wounds, until we see the disciples sitting there by the seaside, eating breakfast with our risen Lord, still amazed that there he is before him, alive and risen. And we also dive into John after Resurrection Sunday, because John straightforwardly tells us what we need to hear as followers of the resurrected Christ. You know, John aptly tells believers what we should be doing and how we should be living in light of the resurrection of the Son of God. And so today, we're going to dive into the Word of God at Revelation chapter 21. And in the Gospel of John, starting in chapter 14, verse 21, I encourage you, you may want to follow along in the Bible or a Bible app on Revelation 21. We'll be looking into verses a little bit beyond today's assigned reading. 
And what I want you to, to listen for and to journey with me is to hear these three things when it comes to today's lessons in both Revelation and in the Gospel of John. That first, that God desires and he truly shall dwell with us. Second, that a holy God cannot peacefully live with unholy sinners. There must be reconciliation. That which is sinful must be made holy. And third, that God gives us a helper, a helper to sanctify us, to dwell with us, to tabernacle with us, as he dwells within us, the body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let's dive into Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Just as a bride is adorned for her husband is the new heavenly Jerusalem coming down to be united with the earth. Heaven and earth united together like those who are married. Like Christ wishes, desires, and shall be united to his bride, the church, the body of Christ. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice coming from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. The dwelling place of God is with man. And did you know, in some translations, it has tabernacle. That God will tabernacle with us. He will dwell with them, he continues in verse 3. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Did you hear that, church? That our, our wild and our untamed God, the living God, who does what's unexpected, the existing one, the great I am, has planned before all of creation to dwell with us. It's a miracle enough that God the Son tabernacles in a human body, becomes one of us so that he can bear our transgressions and our sins, so that he can die for us to give us new life. And then at the end, God will tabernacle with us as the heavenly city comes down to be married upon the new earth. And that's incredible that the creator of all of the known universe, the creator of man, the creator of all the creatures, the plants, the animals, loves us rebellious creatures so much that he's willing from the very beginning not only to create, but to redeem us. To redeem us by the blood of the Lamb, his very own Son, and then to unite his heavenly realm with us on earth. Now we hear a lot of talk about going up to heaven, but look here at what happens at the end of Scripture and see God's intent. His intent is to come down again, a second advent, a return. And this time, he's bringing all of heaven with him to unite with the new earth, a new creation, a new creation, a new genesis. And God has long shown us that this was his plan. If only we were paying attention. He tabernacled from the very beginning. He dwelt with Adam and Eve as he walked in the cool of the day in the garden. He visited Abraham and Sarah, dined with them, stayed with them, and gave them a promise of a son. The Lord God visited Moses and dined with the 70 elders on top of Mount Sinai. 
And then he dwelt and came down to his people as he visited Moses himself there in that tent of the tabernacle. And our God, he filled Solomon's temple with his Holy Spirit there at that dedication. And finally, our Lord God visited his people as a babe in the manger. As a babe in the manger, truly dwelling with us. And Jesus, that babe in the manger, came into his temple, came into that tabernacle, and he prophesied about his sacrifice, prophesied about his resurrection, and prophesied about his return, his second advent. And so in Revelation, we see the culmination of God's work from the very beginning, from Genesis all the way to the end in Revelation the culmination of his works in Holy Scriptures, that he finally comes to dwell with his people when he unites heaven and earth in a new creation. The union of God and man has a glorious end to our suffering, a glorious end to our sin, a glorious end to death. And so listen to John as he continues in verse 4, that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more nor crying, nor pain evermore. For the former things have passed away. I know that there is suffering in this room. There is suffering that we pray for daily on our prayer list, and we're about to pray over again. There's suffering is the reason why that several were not able to come this morning. But there is a day in which the God who came down became man, the God who suffered for us and suffered for creation, the God who knows pain, pain so immense, pain upon a cross, that he will take away pain, take away the sin that causes it, take away the death that we no longer have to fear because he is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen. And in verse 5, the revelation continues that he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's the promise to rest upon, church. He is making all things new. And he also said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they're true. And he said to me, it is done. It is done. And these words should echo in our ears. The words from the gospel, when Christ upon the cross says, it is finished. He continues. Our Lord God saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, do you thirst? Are you thirsty? To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. Freely, our salvation has been given to us. Freely, it's been purchased. No payment was requested from God. For God provided the payment necessary through the blood of his son, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 7, the one who conquers, hear me now, the one who conquers will have this heritage, says the Lord God, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And yet, although we have been freely purchased, churched, we are also bought by God to serve him, to love him, to be his servants, and to love as he has loved. As we hear in today's gospel from John, the Lord Jesus plainly tells us that if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
will dwell with us, will tabernacle with us. And then how shall we live? We sang last week, they'll know that we are Christians by our love. And by our love for God's holy will, by our love for God's holy ways, by our love through holy living and through holy dying to ourselves, we will conquer because Christ has conquered for us. Christ conquered the sin that you struggle with today. Christ conquers the death that sits before us. Christ has conquered the illness that we suffer with. And we have been united to Christ Jesus when we trust in him. And when in faith, we immersed ourselves in the waters of holy baptism. However, don't fool yourself either with a false faith, with a cheap grace, with forgiveness that comes without any obedience, with absolution, but without any confession of sins. For the Lord continues in verse 8 in Revelation, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And so we hear a word of caution from our Lord. For we may tell ourselves and lie to ourselves, I haven't done any of these sins. But then go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. For any time we cried out, fool to our brother, we have murdered them in our hearts. And all of us certainly have been liars. And all of us who have ever looked upon someone else with lust in their eyes have been sexually immoral. And so this condemnation seems to be upon all of us, and it is. But the warning is for those who are unrepentant, those who are not placing their trust upon Christ Jesus, who don't find that identity in him. Those who are continually living in sin, they show they truly love their enslaver, the evil one, instead of casting their sins, casting their hope, asking for forgiveness upon our Redeemer, the one who grants us freedom, the Lord Jesus Christ. For faith produces love. And as St. Peter says, love covers a multitude of sins. And he knows. St. Peter knows this, the one who denied Christ three times. The one who in repentance sat at our Lord's feet and our Lord restored him. Who did what Judas sadly did not do and seek repentance and return to the Lord. Now maybe you think I'm being too harsh or maybe you think I'm reading too much into the plain words of scripture. Then listen to Jesus' word in today's gospel. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. There's that promise of Christ manifesting himself to us again. Epiphanying himself to us as we forsake our sins and cling to him. Cling to him. Struggle with your sins. And when you sin, cast yourself back upon the feet of Jesus Christ. Reach out for his robes. So that by touching them, you might be healed from your sins. Hear what Jesus tells the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven. And believe upon those words as that paralytic did. And then rise and jump from your mat just as the paralytic did because he trusted in the words of Christ. Rise also up from your sins. Rise up when you fall. Ask for forgiveness. Pray for repentance. Pray for grace. And then praise the Lord as we did in Psalm 67 today. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Fellow sinners, 
we have encountered this morning the living God. And we're going to continue to encounter him here at the table. And the broken bread and the poured out wine, the broken body and the poured out blood that gives us the forgiveness of sins. The God who died for you now lives. And he now comes to dwell with you, to strengthen you, to equip you with the ability to repent, with the ability to struggle and fight the good fight, to no longer live as ourselves, but to do our duty to him, our duty to love as he has loved us. The harsh reality is that we can't continue to sin willingly so that grace may abound. We can't continue following our pet sins with no struggle whatsoever, and certainly without any repentance. For as St. Paul says, we don't continue to sin so that grace may abound by no means. God forbid. For Paul tells us in Romans 6, beginning in chapter, verse 2, how can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So when you trust in Jesus' death for your sins and the water came upon you, you're united into that second Adam's death and into that second Adam's resurrection. You no longer belong to the family of the first Adam, that family of sin, of corruption, of death, because when you were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, as Paul says in Romans 6. And I quote from Paul because he's known as the apostle of unmerited grace, that preacher of faith and faith alone. And he's also that apostle of sanctification. Because we are called, we are justified, and we're being made more and more like him, Lord willing, day by day called to be sanctified and made holy, called to be set apart, to respond in love out of what God has done for us in his salvation by doing holy works for the Lord God. Now, by now, if you haven't already, you're asking yourself, how can I do it? I know myself. I know my fallenness. I know how hard it is. I can't save myself. And you can't. You absolutely cannot save yourself. And indeed, you can't even sanctify yourself but you can be still and know that the Lord, the Lord is God. You can come and taste and see that the Lord, the Lord is good. And you can be a recipient of that gift that the Lord is giving us, that very promise that he gives us, the very spirit of the living God who animates our bodies to life. And just as he took that dead dust from the ground and gave life to the first Adam's body, we too can be given the life of the second Adam, of Jesus Christ. When we receive his very own spirit with such power and such might that it gives us the victory of the conqueror, Christ Jesus. Hear what Jesus says in John in 14, verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. The helper, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring remembrance to all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. So let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. The Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. And we sit on the eve and on the cusp of ascension this Thursday. And when Christ returns to sit at the right hand of the Father, 
We sit on the cusp of waiting between here and now of when that spirit will be delivered on Pentecost Sunday. And yet, we don't have to wait because by virtue of our faith in Christ Jesus, being baptized into him, we're given that gift. Nurture it. Nurture the gift of the spirit within you. Because we're promised not to be left alone as our Lord ascends to the heavenly realm. Instead, we're called to be joyful, to have peace, because our King returns to his glorious heavenly realm. And he doesn't leave us without a glorious gift, that mighty power, that inner dwelling, that tabernacling of that Holy Spirit. And that Spirit of God is called by our Lord the Helper. The Helper. The Holy Spirit of God makes a home with you when you trust in him. And you know that he is working to make you into a new creature, into the new Adam. That through that prayerful, spiritual intercession of the Spirit of God, that we can fight against the old Adam. That the Spirit of God who is within us is an advocate, an advocate for the hope that we have upon Jesus. And so now, because of that promise, we can contend for the faith. We can contest against our own sinful desires. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can continue fighting and conquering the old self for Christ has conquered for us by sanctifying ourselves in the Holy Spirit. Paul continues in Romans 6, and he tells us that if we've been united with Christ in a death like his, then we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Because the old self, that old sinner, that old Adam in us, it was crucified with Christ upon the cross so that our bodies of sin might not be brought to nothing, so that we'll no longer be enslaved to sin. Because the one who has died has been set free from sin. And if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again because death has no dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also, church, you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's a war we fight. It's a battle we fight. And it's only in trust upon Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that day by day we're sanctified a little bit more. We don't see perfection in this life but we see that God takes us justified sinners and starts to sanctify us through the power of his Holy Spirit. It begins with God and it ends with God, the Alpha and the Omega. The one who said that it's finished upon the cross is the one in the New Jerusalem who will say it is done. And Christ will be all <coughs> in all, we are told. So our souls, our bodies, and our very thoughts must be made captive to his will, and we must be fit for his service. It's our duty, and it's a duty born out of love, out of trust, and out of faith in the one who has brought us from the evil one, brought us to a new holy life, and one who will one day bring us back from the dead. So that task that's ahead of us, it starts with trusting in these promises from the Lord Jesus, in following his holy and gracious Holy Spirit, guiding us day by day to live a life of love for our God through how we serve him, through how we love our neighbors, 
and through how we become part of his kingdom. This is who you're called to be. It's who we are called to be, not ourselves, but to be renewed in the image of the living God, whose image is the Lord Jesus Christ. Conform yourself to his way daily. Contest against the world so that his life lives through you and conquer those lies of the evil one through the truth that Jesus is Lord of our lives and we are not. So let us pray for grace to engage the enemy, to have the grace to follow the Lord's commandments and to live in love and charity with our neighbors. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are so gracious to us. You are with us in this day and in this hour. And we thank you, Lord, that you have not forgotten us, that when your Son ascends to heaven, that he bestows a great gift to us, that he takes his humanity and retains it, enters into the heavenly realm, the first resurrected man, with the promise that we too will be resurrected. And while we contest this life, while we struggle with our sins, you are a gracious and loving God, who are so merciful to us despite ourselves, pouring out the helper upon us. Help us, Lord, to nurture that helper, that advocate, your very own Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who hovered upon the waters of creation, who was breathed into Adam to give him life, who inspired the prophets to prophesy, that was anointed upon Christ Jesus out of the waters of baptism, and now will be gifted upon us. Give us a true trust and a faith to know that you are with us even unto the end of this age. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com. Or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.